0: Welcome to the Conscious Investor. Let's get started. Today, we're going to discuss fear. It's not the happiest subject for most people, but it's a really important subject because most people at some point in their life, they are consumed by fear and anxiety. We're going to dive into three byproducts of fear. And at the very end, I'm going to give you three really super simple questions that you can ask yourself to checkmate fear. You ready to get in? Let's do this. I am an expert on being afraid. My entire childhood, I was wrapped in fear. Unfortunately, most of my childhood, I found something to be afraid of. I'm going to give you some examples. It's going to sound ridiculous. So we'd go grocery shopping on Thursday afternoons and, or Fridays, the end of the week, we'd go grocery shopping. And if we were good kids, my mom would buy us a donut My brother, he liked to get maple bars. I don't even like maple bars. But one day he dropped his maple bar in the parking lot, not just in a parking lot where it's a nice clean parking lot. But unfortunately, this portion of the parking lot had oil stains to it and wasn't really the cleanest. When he picked up the donut, the donut looked fine. But this particular brother did not want to chance it at all. But kid sister really likes donuts a lot. And well, and if you follow me over on Facebook, you know that I've been trying to learn to make them. And however, I decided in this case, I'm going to eat this donut. I don't even like maple donuts, but it's a donut and it cannot go to waste. I devour the donut only to find myself consumed by fear. Oh my gosh, I am going to die. I am going to get cancer. I am going to get some type of disease or illness because I ate this donut off the ground in this filthy parking lot. Even though it didn't show that it had germs and filth all over it, I am certain. And boy, howdy, I was absolutely certain that I was going to die because I ate this donut. Now, That sounds crazy, but it wasn't just a fear that lasted for a moment. It was like weeks of being afraid, waiting, waiting for all of the symptoms to show up to prove that yes, indeed, eating a donut that had been in a gross parking lot was definitely a bad choice. Have you ever done this? Have you ever had a fear consume you and you were just looking for all the evidence to validate it? You're not alone. Unfortunately, most of my childhood is laced with an like a, you know, event after event like this. And typically, these things would completely rob me of the joy of a moment of being with friends and family. And I allowed that. It was sad and unfortunate. Then naturally, the world is. Always a very crazy place. I grew up in a home with a faith that, you know, spoke often about the end of the world and end times and things of that nature. And that was another very debilitating experience in my life that gripped me and paralyzed me very often. As I grew up, I could see how dangerous the world was and how world events were unfolding. And wow, is the next president going to take our country down? And I was just consumed by all of these wild fears. In early adulthood, though, I had a really exciting and extraordinary thing happen in my life. And this will resonate with some of you and with others, it won't. But for me... I really engaged my faith and I realized that the God that I loved and had loved my whole life didn't want me to be afraid. And I kept seeing, as I started reading my own Bible on my own, I kept seeing like, wow, it keeps telling me, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And it was this command, do not be afraid. I am with you. That's pretty cool to think God left this message saying, hey, don't be afraid. I'm telling you, I'm coming to you. You have nothing to be afraid of. Well, I latched onto that and I grabbed hold of it. I'm like, I don't need to be afraid anymore. I'm going to trust God and I'm going to let go of this because I want to live life and I want to have a f- vibrant life and not a life that's caged and trapped in fear. That was just not, it was a really dark place to live. And I really enjoyed that freedom. And while this command was really clear and I knew God loved me and I felt God's presence around me and I was joyful. Sometimes we need practical ways to implement any belief that we have. Sometimes just saying, Hey, you know, go, you know, go make some soup. Well, I've never made soup before. How do I, what is soup? Right. We need some guidance along the way. That's why at the end, I'm going to leave you with three simple questions that you definitely need to be asking to help put your fear in check. In these questions, it's regardless of what your belief system is. These questions are going to help anyone who is looking to level up and overcome their fear-based worldview and anxieties. And let's face it right now, the world is just loaded Loaded with be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. It is the prominent message out there right now in the world. You click on the news; it's, I it will give you a whole series of things that you need to watch out and be afraid of. So let's talk about this in a more practical way. And yeah, I am completely going to avoid being very pointed because. Right now, everything is so hot and polarized, (laughs) there's no point in getting really pointed on the virus or the economy or global unrest. We just keep going on and on and on. So let's go ahead and look to some Stoics. I'm really loving um, what the Stoics have to say because it's really practical. And so I snagged a few different quotes that I think are going to help you As you are looking to level up now, it might not just be for you, this type of level up. I have um, a daughter who is very similar to me and she will tell you, don't waste over worry. And as much as I tell her that, and I coach her with that, there are still plenty of times where I need to extend even more into that. So you might have someone in your life that's like that that you get to encourage and lift up. And I hope that you do. And yeah, while we're talking about that, make sure you share this episode with a person that needs it, right? Let's go ahead and let's look what Seneca had to say. He said, we are often more frightened than hurt and we suffer more from imagination than reality. Did you catch that? We suffer more from our imaginations than reality. Seneca's counterpart, Epictetus, can I say that correctly? Epictetus? It's pretty tricky. Um, Anyway, he also chimes in and says, man is not worried by real problems so much as by his imagined anxieties about real problems. I really appreciate that there's this acknowledgement, right? There are real problems out there, but here's the thing. Too often, our judgment is absolutely clouded by our imagination. It paralyzes us. And that's the first point. Our imagination will cloud our perspective on things, and that will just keep us locked in place. And it's not the healthy place to be. What happens is actually an often half quoted quote from FDR. You'll hear this first part and say, oh yeah, I've heard that. And he says, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear, right? You just finished that in your head already. I'm sure is fear itself, but no few people go on to finish that quote. And he leads into some guidance Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes the needed efforts to, con, um, to convert retreat into advance. So he's talking about a military strategy here, right? And he's saying, hey, our fear It is unreasonable, and this terror is absolutely unjustified, and it's holding us here, and we're retreating, and instead of retreating, let's get rid of that so that we can advance and overcome. So we have to take our mind in check. We've got to stop letting our imaginations run wild. For real, I think a million times I'm like, oh, wow, you know, there's the euro. Well, that's going to be like the global currency and there's going to be a one world order and all these things. Like in my imagination, every single thing that was taking place at certain parts of my life used to play out in my imagination as these wild, scary thoughts. Okay. Guess what? They didn't come true. Not to say that they won't someday come true in somebody's lifetime, maybe even mine. However, we've got to guard our imagination. In fact, let's use our imagination for really good things. I want to invite you to just pause the episode right now and evaluate for just a couple of minutes. Are there places in your life where perhaps you are allowing your imagination to run amok? When I was a young new mom, I lived in play in cities, right? And in those cities, you'd hear these stories of moms getting turned in for just for no reason, right? And their kids being taken away. That was a fear of mine that I had to learn to let go. Some parents have to learn to let go of a fear that their child is going to get sick or that their child is going to be snatched, right? We all have some level of fear. Well, I'm sorry, I'm putting you in a box. Let me reiterate. I'll invite you to explore this concept of where's your imagination taking control in an unnecessary and unhealthy way. There might be an actual problem. There may be an actual threat in your life. Maybe your family has a health disorder and it could show up at some point in your child, right? There are some real things out there. That's okay, but we gotta guard our imagination and make sure our imagination isn't running the show. The next thing that happens when we are allowing fear and anxiety to just keep keep control over our lives is that we are miserable, right? Right? Fear, anxiety, create misery in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Seneca says, and I'm going to read this slowly. I might read it twice because it's so powerful. What I advise you to do, not to be unhappy before the crisis comes. Some things torment us more than they ought. Some torment us before they ought, and some torment us when they ought not to torment us at all. We are in the habit of exaggerating or imagining or anticipating sorrow. Are you exaggerating some truths in your life? We've already spoken a lot about imagination, so I'm not going to elaborate too much on that, but are you anticipating sorrow? I used to do this a lot. I'm sure that I still do because it's part of how I'm hardwired and my dad was the same way. We would kind of grieve things before they happened. For example, when my brothers were all leaving to go off to college at the exact same time, out of all the years of my life, I was suddenly going to be an only child. It was a really weird experience. The entire year leading up to my brothers, you know, leaving for college because we knew a year in advance, I would say, Oh my gosh, this is our last Halloween. We've got to do this. This is our last Christmas together. We have to like you make sure we do this tradition. They even obliged me in having a final candy hunt for um, our like last Easter before they left. I knew internally, and I think it's just because of how I'm wired, that things would never be the same. Once they all moved out, life was forever altered. And so I was grieving in advance. And sometimes there's a benefit to that. As soon as they left, I was fine because I'd been anticipating that. However, another family member was devastated and went into depression. So you know, there's there's a point to where, you know, anticipating things can actually be helpful, but at the same time, we don't want it to overwhelm us. So it you know, we don't want to be sorrowful over, you know, oh, I'm going to die. Right it's going to happen, or my loved one is going to die, or this is going to happen, or like, let's not borrow any of like anticipating sorrow. Let's live a vibrant life right now. One question we want to ask ourselves is what's the worst that can actually, actually happen? Like the absolute worst case, exaggerated scenario. I recently did this with my my um, e-commerce store because it's a new thing. I stepped into something I should not have gotten into because I know nothing about it. I've learned a lot, um, a lot of hard knocks on this, although it's profitable and working well. Um, however... It was like starting to consume me, and I was having anxiety over it. I lost three nights of sleep over what was taking place over on my e commerce store. But what I did to finally overcome it, I well, I did two things I prayed, and number the second thing I did is I exaggerated the heck out of what could happen, worst case scenario. And when I did that, I'm like, okay all right. And I accepted exactly what Seneca says. He says, you have power over your mind, not outside events. Realize this and you will find strength. And that's exactly what I did. I realized, okay, this is, this store is controlled by a third party. I don't have control over it. And so I am going to take control of my mind and my thoughts about this. Once I did that, I actually started thinking, you know, like sleeping again, and it was great. Um, another great quote is, when I see an anxious person, I ask myself, what do they want? For if a person wasn't wanting something outside of their control, why would they be stricken by anxiety? That was Epictetus again. And so I want you to really think about that, right? If it's something that we can control, then we have nothing to be anxious for, anxious about. And if it's outside of our control, what are we going to do about it? We have no control. So release the fear and let it go. But taking control is a growth process in and of itself. Michael Neal in his book, Super Coach, which you've heard me quote many times on the podcast says. Every feeling you experience is the shadow of a thought, not a reflection of the world around you. You are living in the feeling of your thinking, not the feeling of your circumstances. You want to go ahead and really consider this because our thoughts have so much control. And when we recognize that we're always feeling our thinking, we have the opportunity to feel the feelings without embellishing the narrative. So doing this allows us to gain strength and insight. It allows us to release that need to control things that are beyond our control. Allowing these negative thoughts and ideas to fester fuels them. Don't fuel them anymore. It aids them in becoming a flurry. And that just blinds us to the beauty that is all around us. Don't let anything steal your joy today that you have no control of, or it's just imagined in your mind. M- lastly, on that note, Michael Neal, again in Super Coach says, it's not the thoughts that pass through your head that impact your life. It's the ones you take possession of and think about all day long. What are you thinking about? What are you choosing to think about? What thoughts are you holding on to and kind of like Gollum saying, oh, my precious, right? Release them. They will hold you back. Not to be outdone, one of my favorite authors, John A. Cuff, in his book Soundtracks, also chimes in. And he says, one of the greatest mistakes you can make in life is assuming all your thoughts are true. It is an assumption. And that leads us to our first question that we need to ask ourselves What assumption am I making? This concept is also reiterated in the Four Agreements. If you haven't read that book, I highly recommend it. When we make assumptions about people and motives, the world around us, it's all from our own thinking and our perspective. Our perspective influences and impacts our response to the world. It's important and it's acceptable to say, I can pause. And I can evaluate what's going on, and I don't need to make any assumptions. So first question to ask yourself, am I making an assumption? Second question to ask yourself is, is this true? Is what I'm thinking true? Think about some of those really exaggerated thoughts that go through your head. Really. Really is that really going to happen? If there is a, an actual problem, we can acknowledge the problem, but we can, again, as we stated earlier, we don't need to embellish that problem with our imagination. It's like, if you were, uh, remember those bejeweled, I think that's what they were. I never did it, but it's where you like clip on all these sparkly things. People put them on their shoes and hats and bags and jeans. So like, you don't have to go and take a problem or, or reality and, you know, do anything to add to it. Okay. Just say what is true in this situation right now. And with that you might also say what do i have control of is there a way i can contribute here or a way that i need to prepare those are also truths correct i think we can all agree on that but we can explore truth without our imagination the third question to ask is is it helpful is holding on to this fear is allowing your imagination to run your world Helpful to you contributing to the world? Can you show up as your very best self if you are holding on to your buddy anxiety? No, I sure couldn't. It was always very clear when I was being anxious. I'm going to add a little bonus. There's a book called um, The What If Monster. I read it to my kids when they were little, particularly my daughter. And oftentimes we ask ourselves, what if, what if, well, what if, and if we're going to ask ourselves, what if on the negative side, be sure to ask yourself, what if on the positive side as well check it out. Um, I think it might be called Jonathan and the What If Monster. So uh, if you really want it, send me a message and I will uh, send you a link to the book directly. All right. Let's go ahead and wrap this up with reminding ourselves. It's okay to be afraid. It is human to be afraid, but we can become role models. Okay. Fear, that's human. But overcoming that, that's role model status. And right now, the world is in desperate need of role models. During the pandemic and the heart of it and, and so many times in life over uh, maybe I'd say like the last 10 years where I haven't been wrapped in fear, you know, it's I've been able to pour into people around me and contribute in their lives in really meaningful ways. When we allow ourselves to be in control of our imaginations and anxieties, then we are positioned to be able to support and care and contribute to the lives around us. Definitely a huge payoff. Imagine what this world would be like if people weren't wrapped in fear. I'm always curious what stood out to you and what helped you most or what sparked another thought. Remember that thoughts um, build on each other. So if this episode gave you a level up thought, like drop it down in the comments below or shoot me a message, tag me over on a social media platform to let me know. I like to learn and grow, and you can take any of these thoughts up a level or over however you want to look at it, and that's really powerful. That's how we contribute to each other. So let me know what stood out to you, and remember, if any of this stands as um, something that can serve someone in your life in recognizing fear and anxiety and overcoming it, please make sure that you share it. I would love to emancipate people from the fear that just grips them and holds them captive. I appreciate you so much. Until next time, live big, love bigger. What's the big deal about investing in apartments? Why is it better than investing in a slew of single family homes? I've compiled a lot of information on why investing in a multifamily, also known as apartments, will help you reach your investment goals. Head over to threekeysinvestments.com and download the why invest in multifamily guide today.